Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Hello everyone, Josh Norris here with another episode of the Roto World Football Podcast. Thanks for being here. Just a couple weeks left into the season, just a couple days until your fantasy draft. I know you'll take something from this episode to help you win. If you enjoy it for any moment, tell one friend, subscribe, rate and review. Helps us out. All right, today is Davis Maddock. Davis is the lead NFL writer for Roto Experts. He has no shame with his opinions. He has very strong beliefs when it comes to football. That's why I wanted to bring him on the show. Every week of the preseason, he writes the major takeaways for each team. And so I wanted to bring him on, go through each one of the 32 teams, and really whittle it down to the actionable information that you need to win your draft, to win your league. On the day of the recording, it was actually Davis's birthday. So I kicked off with this question. What is one thing you have learned in the last year? One thing I've learned in the last year, you know what? This is actually true. The power of the market is one of the most underappreciated and misunderstood things of everyone that lives in the world. And this goes for fantasy football, finance, it doesn't matter. Markets are just so much more intelligent than the average person wants to give them credit for. Every average person thinks they can beat the market when in reality they can't. Can you put that in layman's terms a little bit more? Whether this be your opinion on things in fantasy football or... Las Vegas or the stock market or whatever things where people are making decisions on both sides, uh, where, where money is going in and then coming out in general, the, the median outcomes of things that happen in the market are going to be the most correct. And if you take a very big stance one way or the other against any sort of financial market, Hmm. uh, you, you are either likely wrong or incredibly intelligent and right. Like those are, those are just right. generally sort of the two outcomes with markets. And, but in many ways, like the forward thinking of being five to seven years in front, I mean, will make you just tons of money in advance, right? Like they'll put you way ahead. Yes. But then well, obviously thinking five to seven years in advance, I, I'm just going to bring up a number. 80% of the time will also make you lose in that regard as well. Sure. So so the cheaper something is in the market, the more like the the easier it is for you to take a big risk on that thing or a big stance on that thing when the, when the decision yeah. is cheap to make. The more expensive the decision is, likely it means that uh, you know more people with more money are are in cr- creating a pressure on that specific instance in the market, and is it's much more you're much more likely to be wrong. Yeah, I, I even think of 
seven years ago, because I kind of think in increments of when I lived in Connecticut and when I didn't, like when I moved up here for work and when I didn't, because those are kind of drastic points in my life. Okay. Um, Seven years ago, I was watching Twitch or Ustream or whatever it is, but no one else was, you know? So like if, if that investment had happened back then, that would be making me a lot of money now. Seven years ago, Serial had not hit the podcast medium yet. Mm -hmm. So podcast advertising had not exploded. So if you had gotten in at that point versus now, it's drastically different. And really seven years is nothing. But from technology wise, so much can, and, and consumption wise, so much can change in seven years. I don't know if that was what you were talking about. No, no, that is that's that is a super great example of what I am talking about is just like so like your decision to your decision to start a Twitch stream back then would have been like a massive would have been uh, kind of like a high time opportunity cost, but like a low cost in terms of like setting it up and getting your stream and everything. So, yeah, that, that's is sort of exactly what I'm talking about. Well, I did not bring Davis Maddock on to talk about this. Instead, I wanted to bring Davis Maddock to really outline the article he just posted. He's posting every week um, during preseason action, the 32 things learned for fantasy football from week two of the preseason. You can find that over on rotoexperts.com. And instead of asking Davis to do more work, why not Davis just turn this into a podcast? I think that's easiest for both of us. What Davis and I are going to do is go through every single team give you the most important info learned through the first two weeks of preseason action that is actionable for your fantasy drafts, um, that is impacting your fantasy drafts. Uh, Davis, let's start with the Chicago Bears. We'll go in alphabetical order here. This past week, I mean, in week one, we saw David Montgomery look good against the Carolina Panthers. However, he didn't play this week. Mike Davis didn't play this week. Tariq Cohen didn't play this week. So there's really nothing else we can pick up from this backfield that we would like shares in but we still don't have any new information. So I, I, the Bears were one of the few teams that really showed nothing in week two of the preseason. I did think one interesting note was that Corderell Patterson was treated as a first-team player, so he didn't play in that game at all. And I, and given sort of the things that have leaked out about what Matt Nagy has planned, I think it's, I think, I, I just think it's sort of interesting that Patterson was amongst that group of players who was held out. The more I'm doing drafts now, and I'm trying to load up on best balls right now, the more Allen Robinson is just staring at me on the board as wide receiver 27, and he's around that territory of Tyler Boyd, Calvin Ridley. Mike Williams, and along with Jarvis Landry, Alshon Jeffrey, Robbie Anderson. Davis, a lot of those names are the second or they're not the primary wide receiver. An easy case can be made that Allen Robinson is the primary wide receiver despite Mitch Trubisky throwing in the football. And I, I think a pretty easy case to be made that Allen Robinson was, you know, not fully healthy last year and yeah. that he's, he seems to be fully healthy now. We have We do have a sample of him having – really an incredible year with subpar quarterback play, you know, not that long ago. And that he probably is, he probably is a little bit undervalued right now in drafts. I would agree. Let's go to the Cincinnati Bengals. It's just all bad news. I mean, just completely bad news. First you had AJ Green injury, Jonah Williams injury. Now Cordy Glenn is dealing with concussion, just broke about 15 minutes ago. Clint Bowling retired. John Ross is still John Ross. I mean, Davis, is this just an, an avoid at all costs, uh, even though, you know, you have Joe Mixon going in that first round turn or within pick 15 of your draft? Um, and then also Tyler Boyd, you know, just a couple rounds later than that. Boyd, Boyd, I'm still into because I okay. think the Bengals can be really bad and Boyd can get I mean, Boyd could have a crazy target season if John Ross is not healthy 
and the 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 wide receivers are Cody Core and Josh Malone. Uh, Boyd could have like a for real crazy target year. Are you at all nervous? Because like Joe Mixon, we know he's just going to absolutely dominate the backfield touches. However, Joe Mixon is going around that territory of Nick Chubb, Dalvin Cook, Carryon Johnson, Leonard Fournette. I mean, is it as simple to say that Joe Mixon is a good running back on a bad team? But in many cases, we want to chase those neutral and positive game scripts. And right now, Davis, I don't know how much we can project a positive game script at all for the Bengals. I do not take Joe Mixon very often. Yeah. So if you just want to, if you just want to compare him in ADP to other running backs who are good, uh, you know, James Conner, very likely to be in positive game scripts more often. Even guys going a little bit later, Dalvin Cook, more likely to be in positive game scripts. Even if you wanted to get really controversial, you could say, you know, Damian Williams, much better, much more likely to be in positive game scripts. Aaron Jones, more likely to be in positive game scripts. I, I think a big fantasy bust season is, I don't think it's like a certainty for Mixon, but I do think it is sort of a situation where ADP cemented itself very early on and drafters are kind of, you know, they're, they're, I guess they're not reacting to the changes in the Bengals offense. Yeah, I think that's super smart. And unfortunately, I think if everyone was healthy, including the offensive line, it's in the realm of possibility that the Bengals, if Zach Taylor's a good coach, can be like a top half of the league in passing offense. But obviously that is not happening right now. Uh, let's go to the Buffalo Bills. Uh, you know, they're playing the Sean McCoy a little bit. Devin Singletary is getting a bunch of run. But Davis, is it weird that maybe what I've learned most about the Bills this preseason is Josh Allen to Cole Beasley? No, that's uh, that is the note that I have in my expert uh, in my in my article at Roto Experts. Uh, you know, Cole Beasley is someone that our projections really kind of overlooked because Josh Allen was so bad in that short to intermediate area last year that I didn't have him for like a big chunk of the targets. But he had, uh, you know, he had four receptions right in a row on that very first drive, and all of them were Josh Allen playing with inside of himself, which is something I, you know, I I wasn't ever confident that he was going to be able to figure out. So I, I actually think. If that is the sort of game that Josh Allen has made himself comfortable with, Beasley has to almost be the odds-on favorite to lead the team in targets. I totally agree. John Brown, I'm still drafting often as wide receiver 55 right now in best ball leagues, but Cole Beasley is going like wide receiver 63, wide receiver 68, so basically undrafted in a lot of leagues. And I, I do want to pass along that an episode that we did uh, last week. It was our full 16-round PPR draft, and Chris Sims in the side set I mean, he's been speaking to people in Buffalo and take this for what you will, because I don't think it's a carbon copy of that offense. And Josh Allen is no Tom Brady, but in many ways, they want to emulate what the Patriots are doing offensively. And he said that Cole Beasley is going to line up just like Julian Edelman does. And I mean, if that's the case, I'm not going to say he's going to have that same production, but we saw it in that second preseason game and he's in a tremendous value right now in like the 60s among wide receivers. Yeah, certainly. Certainly, I agree. I actually think there's there's cases for Foster, Jones, and Beasley all to be taken in best ball leagues right now. Are you doing anything with this running back group? Um, I take Singletary every once in a while. I, I, yeah. I'm not like big on him or anything like that. I, I think he's sort of interesting in the sense of like, you know, I don't think LaShawn McCoy is going to be there all year. And I don't think Frank Gore is going to be starting for the team all year. All right, let's go to the Cleveland Browns. I'm so out on Jarvis Landry. Uh, he's going around wide receiver 28. And you can co completely correct me if you're not. But the thing with Jarvis Landry is when was the last time he did not lead his team in targets? It was actually his rookie year with who was the other wide receiver? Yeah, I don't even know. Other than that, he's seen like 40, 
30 more targets than anyone else who's second on the depth chart. I mean, it would be shocking. Don't you think? Shocking if he is leading in targets this year with a healthy Odell Beckham next to him. I would be I would be legitimately shocked, not only if he led the team in targets, but if he was even close to a uh, profitable selection this year in, in right. fantasy football. Really, I think for him to be a good draft pick where he's going, Odell would have to get hurt or Landry would have to have a crazy touchdown season, essentially. And he's going in that Calvin Ridley, Mike Williams, Allen Robinson, Alshon Jeffrey, Robbie Anderson, Christian Kirk, Sammy Watkins territory. Again, that's I wild like, to me. I like every one of those guys. It's gross. Uh, yeah. Totally. And I mean, I also think it's in the realm of possibility that Rashard Higgins outscores Jarvis Landry this season. So I don't think that's going to happen because I think that Antonio Callaway and Rashard Higgins and David Njoku are sort of all going to be playing that same position. But I, I, I don't think it's crazy, right? Like I don't, yeah. I don't think that's impossible. I got burned by David and Joku last year, so maybe it's me playing with my heart instead of my head here a little bit. But like the Browns have so many pieces, and it does take years and years and years for these tight ends to come along. And sure, tight end can be shallow in certain parts, and it might even be deeper this year than it has been before. But David and Joku at, at tight end ten, like I'm already trying to take care of that tight end position before I get to that level. Either I have taken a tight end before I get to David and Joku, or I'm taking one way after where he's going. I, yeah. I like certainly think that the way tight ends work, though, and how long they take to develop. If David and Joku had 64 receptions, 950 yards, and eight touchdowns this year, I wouldn't be like, well, no one saw that coming. Lots to talk about with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Most importantly, Chris Godwin has been on the field for every single Jameis Winston snap, and he has just above one third of those snaps. Uh, in the slot. Chris Godwin has been on a steady trend. His ADP has been quite high. But Davis, I mean, if he's there in the fourth round, I'm hammering that pick. I'm hammering Chris Godwin. I'm hammering Mike Evans. I'm hammering OJ Howard. I'm hammering Ronald Jones. I'm hammering Peyton Barber. I'm hammering Jameis Winston. All of those dudes are plus EV selections where they're being drafted. Every last one of them. So we'll, we'll talk about the running backs in a second, but let me keep talking about the wide receivers because you know, I, I've been texting a few friends about Chris Godwin because they're about to do their drafts. And they they asked me, well, has Bruce Arians ever had a history with multiple wide receivers scoring points? And oh, yes, yeah. he has. I mean, he definitely has. You look back to his day, that is one year in Indianapolis. It was Reggie Wayne. It was T.Y. Hilton. And it was Donnie Avery. I mean, Donnie Avery had more receiving yards than T.Y. Hilton did that year. Then you go back to his uh, first year with the Arizona Cardinals, Larry Fitzgerald. And Michael Floyd had more yards than Larry Fitzgerald that year. And we've already seen, you know, Chris Godwin have some of these same plays that Nick Minzio pointed out um, with with Larry Fitzgerald. I mean, I, I'd be totally happy, totally happy exiting a draft with both Mike Evans and Godwin. Yeah, I, I think I think there is certainly a, a scenario this year where things play out where 300 or more targets goes to those guys alone, which is wild, but I, it's true. Let's talk about those running backs for a second because Ronald Jones is going in the past week and a half as the running back 42. And then we have Peyton Barber going as the running back 51. I'm not going to say I'm out on Ronald Jones because how can you be like totally out on someone going in like the 40s at running back? But at running back 51, to me, looks like a better football player, has proven to be a better football player, and has seen more snaps so far. Peyton Barber is the better value to me at running back 51. I mean, I think that I honestly think they're both values. I think it's probably slightly more likely that Peyton Barber leads the team in touches. But if Ronald Jones, you know, hashtag figures things out, 
than, you know, Ronald Jones has 1400 combo yards, nine TDs as like, you know, in his, in his range of outcomes. Through two preseason games, first team running back snaps, Peyton Barber, 13, Ronald Jones, nine. Uh, Let's go to the Arizona Cardinals. Not a pretty second preseason game for the Cardinals. Offensive line issues, just vanilla on offense as well. Davis is all that we can say with this team that like, hopefully we haven't seen what this offense is going to be once the season hits. And Cliff Kingsbury has basically said as much, but that's an issue, right? Because then we're banking on the unknown. I'm, I'm not particularly worried. So Cliff Kingsbury's Texas tech teams weren't good. They were only in the top 25 one year when he was there yet in three of the five years that he was a head coach, they were amongst the top 10 in plays ran in the FBS. So I, I, I'm, I'm quite certain that, uh, you know, they can be a bad team in terms of win loss and still be a good team for fantasy. At what point does it, and this is an unfair you know, position to put you in, but at what point does a bad team, and this is going to be a bad team defensively, maybe the worst team in the NFL defensively, mm-hmm. like come back to hurt a team so much that, you know, we all talk about often, you know, garbage time points are playing from behind in negative game strips and how that can help an offense. But at what point does it become too much of a negative where an offense that doesn't really even suggest positivity at all? Uh, the, the way it would come in would be is if their defense just cannot get opposing offenses off the field. Off the field, So yeah. So if there's, you know, if there's 12-minute drives where opposing teams are just, you know, five yards of play, five yards of play, five yards of play, that's obviously really bad. And we saw that happen, you know, here or there with the Chip Kelly Eagles and 49ers. I would not say, like, I, I just don't know if there's a way that uh, a defense can be so bad that the offense has, you know, no fantasy value, though. Another late round wide receiver that I'm liking um, is Andy Isabella as wide receiver 75. I mean, he played late, late into that second preseason game. But part of me, I guess the optimistic side of me, Davis, believes that that's because he missed so much of practice that they're trying to get him to, you know, get some game time and, and, and scrimmage style snaps. Yes, I, that is so... I, I hate to tell you this, but I don't think Andy Isabella is going to play very much for probably the first six, seven, eight weeks. And I, I really liked Isabella too. So it, you know, it is, it is totally a bummer that that is the case. Um, yeah. And and he's got great you know speed and everything. But if you're if you're injured, you played at you know the University of Massachusetts where they were running like a you know a pro style offense and everything. You're just not going to be ready to come in and know everything that it takes to play in the air raid. You know that 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 is just the way that it is. Um, I am somewhat excited and hopeful that this team will actually support two slot wide receivers and both slot receivers would be Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk because, again, they might lead the team, the league in four wide receiver sets. My final question to you about the Cardinals because there is so much to talk about here. Does Chase Edmonds have standalone value to you possibly? So they haven't shown any of that yet, but I've basically been drafting all offseason like he has a little bit of standalone value. Like, you know, maybe 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 not 10 touches a game, but maybe he gets three rushes, three targets a game. Or maybe they have, uh, you know, a couple, uh, you know, a couple sets where they have both of those guys on the field at the same time. DJ in the slot, Chase Edmonds in the backfield or the split back set. And he's going as running back 65 right now. I guess it kind of depends on how good that defense plays, right? Because if they can get opposing teams off the field and maybe run like 60-something snaps a game, maybe he gets 20 snaps. And that's not going to equal 10 touches, but I think you guys get the picture. Uh, let's go over the San Diego – not the San Diego Chargers. Let's go over the L.A. Chargers. Uh, still no Melvin Gordon. That's the most important part here. Uh, Hunter Henry has played quite a bit, which is good to see. But to me, in my eyes, Davis, Austin Eckler is outplaying Justin Jackson considerably. 
Yeah, but uh, Justin Jackson more carries with that uh, that facsimile first team offense without Phil Rivers and Eckler had that fumble on the goal line in the first preseason game. I think I think your median outcome here is you know Justin Jackson gets sixty percent of the groundwork, Austin Eckler gets sixty seventy percent of the rushing of the passer catching work out of the backfield, and they both kind of cannibalize each other's value a little bit. Eckler probably slightly more valuable due to the receptions, but Justin Jackson probably gets first crack at goal line work. Are you just off Melvin Gordon completely in drafts? I So I take him in the draft best ball championship because that's a guy who can win you a million dollars, right? Like that, that guy, that guy, if he comes back and, you know, plays 10 games in the fourth round, that guy can win you a million dollars. I don't think, however, I will be drafting him in, you know, uh, like the, I have my FFPC main event draft. Uh, I don't know if I'm super interested in drafting him in that format, even though it is super top heavy. And I'm I'm really not interested in drafting him in you know in my my 12 team PPR league with my college buddies. Kansas City Chiefs. Damian Williams missed a bunch of time. He returned to practice and then returned to the game. And correct me if I'm wrong, Davis. But then Damian Williams basically saw the majority, at least the first series of so run Mahomes, with the ones. Mahomes played two series. And the first series, Damian Williams was in on all five snaps and he got a target in the passing game, came out the next series with Carlos Hyde and Carlos Hyde, you know, rumbled and bumbled around and then he fumbled the ball. And then after fumbling, he came out with the second team offense, you know, after Tyreek and Watkins and Mahomes went back to the bench. Uh, I think Kelsey maybe still was out there a little bit with those guys. But uh, yeah, Carlos Hyde is going to get cut. Damian Williams is going to be the starting running back, and uh, our, our our all of our collective boys, <laughs> Darwin Thompson, is going to be a guy who probably at the start of the year doesn't have a ton of fantasy value, but who is sort of like David Johnson's rookie year, just a guy yeah. worth holding on to. Yeah, so let's talk about the emergence of Darwin Thompson and the emergence of Michael Hardman. I mean, in best ball leagues, I'm sure you're targeting those guys, but in season-long leagues, can you really – not like take up the roster spot per se, because since they're going so late, but like you're not too amped to select them, are you? Uh, no, I get pretty amped to take Darwin Thompson. McCall, okay. Hard- McCall Hardman is less of a slam dunk, but uh, you know, pretty much every time I'm doing a draft now, I want to leave with one chief. So whether that be Damian Williams, whether that be Travis Kelsey, whether that be Sammy Watkins, whether it be Thompson, whether it be Hardman, I want to leave yeah. my draft with a minimum of one of those guys. Can you talk me into Sammy Watkins this year? Yeah, of course I can. Sammy Watkins had eight or more targets in uh, five of his healthy games last year, averaged over six targets a game in his healthy games last year, and wide receiver is so deep this year that you can access the ceiling of Sammy Watkins, and you know when he gets a sore foot for a couple weeks, you plug in Kenny Snill, Kenny Stills or Cole Beasley or whoever, and you, you just have your, your ready-made replacement right there. Yeah, I mean, a lot of smart people, I'll even include you in there, Davis, are, are on... Sammy Watkins this year, and I just like can't get myself to do it. But maybe that's just me not being able to take a step back and and think about how the positives do line up with him. Uh, okay, let's go move over to the Indianapolis Colts. Um, there were 19 first team snaps in the second game of the preseason. Marlon Mack saw 18. Naeem Hines saw one. Yeah, not not great for not great for Naeem Hines. 
Uh, in fact, quite bad. I, uh, he's, he moved. <laughs> I would say he, that that's a quite bad. <laughs> he moved, he moved considerably down like my zero RB targets that, uh, yeah. that I had. Like I, he was, he was a guy I was kind of taking and now, you know, Dion Lewis, Tony Pollard, Darwin Thompson, Malcolm Brown, like he, he moved down like a tier of guy. Now he's going as running back 45 right now. And yeah, you mentioned a number of the names. Kalen Balaj is in that territory. Ronald Jones is in that territory. Dion Lewis is in that territory. Devin Singletary, so on and so forth. So Yeah. Not such a good look for the Colts, but I mean, it even can come all tumbling down if if Andrew Luck does not even play, and we're supposed to figure that out, find that out after the third preseason game. We'll see. You, you know, oddly enough, I actually think the one Colt who would benefit from uh, his absence would be would be Hines. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. That's a good point. Uh, let's go to the Dallas Cowboys. Tony Pollard saw all 13 snaps with Dak Prescott in that second preseason game, and it wasn't just the numbers that stand out, Davis. Tony Pollard looks legitimately good. Tony Pollard is legitimately good, and this is a this is a great case of uh, you know take that for the data. Tony Pollard, not a particularly good uh, numeric based prospect, you know, wasn't super productive, didn't have a big market share of anything really when he was at Memphis, uh, you know, was not in crazy fast or crazy athletic at the combine, but uh, the guy, you know, he's just hashtag good at football. So a lot of people are going to have their drafts in the next week. We need to talk about this cowboy situation. First, let's start with this Davis. Are you comfortable taking Ezekiel Elliott without a new deal? Cause if he, if there's a new deal, this isn't a conversation without a new deal in the first round. So I believe that Zeke will be back by week one. That is my that is my personal belief of how things are likely to go. But I would say that if you do not leave your draft with Ezekiel Elliott, you should be leaving it with Tony Pollard. One of the two yeah. should be on your team. Yeah. And a lot of people have been asking me like, well, I have picked five. Should I take Zeke? So on and so forth. Well, I mean, we play fantasy football to win, right? So to me, if there is a new deal and if Zeke does play 16 games... I guess that can be an either or then he has a legitimate shot of being the, the number one scoring player in all fantasy football. Um, I totally understand though, Davis, and you probably do too, that some people, you know, want to hedge a little bit in round one and they would rather take a David Johnson. They'd rather take one of the wide receivers. Um, I'm just trying to, you know, it's, it's, it's a separate case for each person, but I would hate to completely punt on the position. So I think your advice of, Hey, if you do want to bypass Zeke, then you're probably thinking he's going to miss games, therefore select Tony Pollard later on. Right, exactly. Yeah, and, and I mean, Pollard is good regardless of anything because I do think he probably is likely to have some sort of, uh, you know, uh, the scat back, satellite back role in that offense because I think some of the uh, or the organizational decisions over the last few years have indicated that they want that style of player on the roster. Yeah. Some might even call it a web back. Uh, one, okay. one could call it a web back. I wouldn't, though, because, you know, I can't I just can't give that any lip service. Let's go to the Miami Dolphins. Davis, there are teams across the league as you approach drafts that just aren't worth a selection, just aren't worth a pick. Are the Miami Dolphins one of those to you? Because they're kind of trending in that direction to me, despite maybe taking Kalen Balaj around where he's going if he falls there. No, Balaj and Stills are fine. Stills, Stills okay. is a good Stills is actually a very good um, best ball pick. He, you know, Stills is a guy who's been in the NFL for five years. He's posted an above average touchdown to target rate in all of those seasons. So I tend to believe that that's more of like a skill based thing than, uh, you know, just a luck box thing for him. And he's likely to be the number one wide receiver for a team that's going to be trailing in a ton of games. Now, we don't think the Dolphins are going to play fast, but we also don't think they're going to just play straight up stupid. So they're probably more likely to be throwing than running 
running because they're going to lose so many games. So I, I think Stills is like a good pick. Balaj is going as running back 43, and I believe Kenny Stills is going around wide receiver 60. Uh, then the Philadelphia Eagles pop up. Um, Miles Sanders got some a good amount of run in that second preseason game. He and Jordan Howard alternated drives. We know and we read these all day. Miles Sanders is receiving positive praise, positive praise, positive review. W- at what point are we certain that Miles Sanders, or are we at all, that he can even see, you know, 60% of the workload. I, I am not certain that he can do that at all. I, I, in fact, I think that that is, I think him seeing 60% is at this point more unlikely than likely. I, I think, I think it's, it seems like it would be a, a long shot, right? Like he's got Sproles, we got Smallwood, we got Josh Adams, we got uh, Jordan Howard. Like, we have all these guys that they've invested in. And, uh, you know, I say people think of third round as like a premium pick for a running back. But it's not that's not the same as like a first round pick for a running back. Like it's not high enough that you have to give the dude 300 touches. And it's one of those situations where like we have all, all these years of, of good teams with Doug Peterson and how he's treated the running back position. But then we also have, you know, these words that are written and spoken saying, well, they've never had a back quite like this. And, you know, it can be difficult as you head into drafts, which one to believe. I will say, though, it's not like Miles Sanders is going like at a high price in terms of drafts, he's going as running back 30, you know, that's outside. That's like in that running back three range. So I'm willing to, to take that selection there and hope for the optimistic, the, the upside viewpoint, but I totally am with you that, okay, maybe he only gets 40% of the work. I think he's I think he's a lot better in again in these formats where so much is going to first place as opposed to, you know, your 12 team league with your buddies. I because I think that's just a selection that has so much risk. And again, if you're still doing best ball leagues, continue to select Deshaun Jackson as wide receiver 43. Like that's an auto pick for me each and every draft. Um, okay. Atlanta Falcons, there's not much to glean here, I don't think, from the Falcons. It's kind of an obvious offense to pick from. What have you picked up on, Davis? I mean, everyone keeps steaming this Brian Hill dude. And then at every turn, the Falcons are just playing Edo Smith over him. They're giving him the goal line work. He's had more targets in the preseason. Uh, so I, I don't know. Like, I, 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 I mean, I don't even think Edo Smith is like this great player or anything. Well, I, but think, I think both are bad is the issue. Like, I think both are not good sure. at football. Yeah. So it, it, it's like deciding between like not good to maybe an okay player behind Devontae Freeman, who is used to having, you know, another back behind him, next to him, whatever in the depth chart. Yeah, so I think I think that it, that speaks. I, I I guess the reason why it even matters is that second running back on the Falcons is valuable one because we've seen that second role be you know like RB thirty in terms of fantasy points per game before, but also Devonta Freeman fragile coming off of a season where he played in only two games, so on yeah. and so forth. Yeah, heard I've heard a few rumblings out of uh, Atlanta. Let's put it this way: that maybe I am avoiding Devontae Freeman in drafts. Just put it that way. I I, I don't think I've taken him at all, to be frank. Yeah. And that's why. I, but I I have Ito Smith is one of my like five most highest owned players in the draft basketball championship. Yeah, and and Devontae is going around that Marlon Mack, Josh Jacobs, Chris Carson territory. I think I'll take all them above Devontae Freeman. Let's go to the 49ers. We know, like, okay, to me, George Kittle, I'm drafting him. Tevin Coleman, drafting him. Matt Breida, where he's going, drafting him. Wide receivers, Davis, I have no clue how to sort this out. 
I thought I thought for sure you were gonna bring me on this show and try and steam Dante Pettis. I bet you do, love no. Dante Pettis. Oh, I do, I do, yeah. and it's because well, I mean, one, he's actually kind of proven to be solid towards the end of last season. You know, he was a productive player in fantasy football at the end of last season. Right. Um, I'll also say that in May and June, I was hyping up Dante Pettis, but as the news comes out, as performances come out, as production comes out. Uh, that's one of those where you have to look at yourself and be like, there's no reason just to dig my heels in and continue talking about Dante Pettis when so much of the buzz is negative, right? Yeah, no, exactly. I, I, and I, this is, so this is an example. What you just gave is an example of something I really would have missed early in my fantasy career, uh, which is would have been, I've been like, okay, this guy's really talented. This guy played as a rookie. So I'm just going to smash him in at whatever his ADP is in all these teams. And now, you know, it just it's just like you try and if you get down and you do the math of projecting the San Francisco 49ers offense, you can't really give anyone usable fantasy numbers outside of Coleman, Brita, Kittle. But we're liking all three of those. Is basically yeah. What oh, yeah. I, I think Brita, Brita might actually be like the best value in drafts right now. I agree. Uh, Giants, uh, the big <laughs> news that continues to stand out uh, is Daniel Jones looking solid. I'm not going to say great, but solid as a quarterback. And Eli Manning still looking like garbage. Why would we ever doubt? Why would we ever doubt Gettleman? He knew, <laughs> dude. He watched him one day of practice, and he knew. You're right. The the quote after the game from Pat Shermer stands out, though. I mean, and it's directly pointing to Eli Manning being the start in Week One. John Mara owns the team. We're on the same page. You heard it from the owner. I mean, he's basically being put in the corner and just this is like his ransom note saying, "Hey, I'm held captive at this quarterback position, and I kind of do want to start Daniel Jones." Yeah, no, I want, I, I mean, I took Daniel Jones as my third quarterback in the Scott Fishbowl, so I hope it's sooner rather than later as well. When I'm doing drafts right now, Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate keep falling and falling and falling. Is there ever a point in drafts where you feel comfortable taking either one of those? Because it certainly seems like, we know that Golden Tate is suspended for what, four games? It certainly seems like Sterling Shepard could be there in week one or week two. And while we're not overly excited about the quarterback position, um, I mean, Evan Ingram's not going to see every single target. Saquon Barkley's not going to see every single target. Yeah. Uh, so my way of viewing that right now is I kind of just don't want to be invested in that offense. And I, I did sort of like Tate and Sterling Shepard before this Tate suspension. Now I just I just think this offense is going to be sort of Miami Dolphins-esque with a lot more of the touches going to the running back. And I, I just don't know if the the market has properly evaluated because like Evan Ingram is still super expensive. Shepard is probably the one I'm most interested in. Jacksonville Jaguars, Davis, I literally have nothing to say about this team. Sure, Leonard Fournette is going as around running back 12, running back 13. Dede Westbrook, I'm not taking him where he's going despite, you know, maybe he's seeing so many targets. Um, is there anything that you are using with this team when you're entering drafts right now? Uh, I mean, I like Dede Westbrook. Right, I think I think D.D. Westbrook's really good. I think he's very similar to Sterling Shepard. Yeah, I don't know. I just can't. Maybe it's because I was excited about Nelson Aguilar to start last season. I'm not saying that they're equal players, but I mean Nelson Aguilar was seeing like 12 targets to start last season from Nick Foles, and they were still like it resulted in like 39 yards. You know. Right. Yeah. No, I, I don't even think you're wrong. Like D.D. Westbrook's not a guy I want to I don't want to go to the mat for him. Like I think like Marquez Valdez Scantling is someone in a similar range who has way more upside. Totally. Totally. Uh, New York Jets. Davis pinch me because I'm excited about this Jets offense. 
Sam Darnold, man. Sam Darnold looks good. Uh, Montgomery looks good. Crowder looks good. And Unma, you know, is just always going to serve that role. I, I think I think there are reasons to be optimistic. I think there are reasons to be cautious. Uh, the first being Adam Gase. You know, I don't think Gase is a great coach. The second being Sam Darnold is like a, a sort of a curious decision maker at points. And uh, the third would be, you know, what if they just give Le'Veon Bell like all these gross, inefficient touches just to keep him from being like a locker room, uh, you know, problem? What also stands out to me is that this offense is very clear, right? It seems like they're going to run 11 personnel the majority of the time. And that's with Robbie Anderson. That's with Quincy Nunua. And that's with Jamison Crowder. I hate that Chris Herndon is suspended because he's been in for every single Sam Darnold snap so far. Um, but what you talked about is absolutely worth bringing up that with Le'Veon Bell sitting out this preseason, Ty Montgomery is looking fantastic. And uh, there are multiple reports saying that he will have a role in this offense. I mean, I'm assuming you're going to spend a draft pick on Ty Montgomery now, if no one else in your league is. Yeah, I think he's like a, he's a very good 18th round draft pick, right? Like that's, that's just sort of, it's just one of those guys who you feel very good about spending that last selection on. I, so I, I, I am on board with that. I guess the one thing I would caution with Montgomery is I, I, anyone who's saying like, oh, he's going to have this week to week role and yada, yada screens and everything. That's probably a little no bit overblown. Uh, yeah. or, or, or if it isn't overblown, it's just, I don't know if we have a ton of evidence of that though. It is, I wouldn't rule it out. Um, And then the other thing I would say is just every time, every time he has been uh, a lead back, he's gotten hurt because he's, he's not a running back. He's a wide receiver. Let's go to the Detroit lions in your column, which is up on Roto experts right now. You mentioned that carry on Johnson was pulled off the field. Was it three times for CJ Anderson? Why did this happen? The, the, first, the, the first team <laughs> offense ran three series. They punted every time, but on the third down on every drive, uh, carry on came off for CJ Anderson. Why does the world have to do that to us? You know, if that, if that is what happens in the regular season, you are going to be tilting your face off that you spent a second <laughs> round pick on carry on. I mean, it's true. Like carry on right now in the past week and a half is going as the running back 13. That's ahead of Fournette Now that's ahead of Damian Williams. Now that's ahead of Aaron Jones. Now, I mean, it's kind of caught up to the point where he was a good value. And now we're just, um, planting this passing down role on him. And that's not a role that we've seen so far through two games of the preseason, which is concerning. It is. I mean, it's mega concerning because his ADP is projecting him to be the passing down back. Packers offense, uh, you know, it is what it is. Devontae Adams, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and Geronimo Allison in three wide receiver sets. I still think MVS and Geronimo Allison, MVS especially in those best ball formats, and Allison almost certainly in PPR formats are pretty good values. Yeah, I, I, can't, I can't agree more. Uh, I, mm, no, actually, I can disagree a little bit. MVS, okay, do that. MVS is better than Geronimo Allison. He's a better football player, and it's much more likely that MVS out-targets Allison by 50 than Allison out-targeting MVS by 50. Before we move on, I need to remind you that this podcast is brought to you by NFL Game Pass. It is the perfect time to start watching preseason football. Now, your draft is coming up. Now, you want that edge. You want to see these players perform. NFL Game Pass is the perfect way to do that. You get all out-of-market games live on NFL Game Pass, plus every single game on replay. Go find those rookie breakouts. Go find those players that are going to make that second-year push. You can watch every single game this weekend for free. 
by going to nfl.com slash rotoworldfantasy. Seven day free trial. Again, seven days worth of free games by going to nfl.com slash rotoworldfantasy. Also want to push you in the direction of the all-in package with RotoWorld. It's our draft guide. It's our season pass. It's our draft master. It's our DFS toolkit. It's listed on the site if you go to rotoworld.com slash win, W-I-N, for $129.99. But if you enter promo code ROTOPOD, R-O-T-O-P-O-D, you get it just for $99.99, $30 off this preseason. That's the same price as just a DFS toolkit. So you basically get the draft master season pass and draft guide for free. This is the best way to dominate your draft. All right, back to the show. Next up is the Carolina Panthers. Davis this is a pretty easy offense to understand. We have Curtis Samuel. We have DJ Moore. We have Christian McCaffrey catching a ton of passes out of the backfield, getting some rushing work as well. And despite all the offseason chatter that this is a team that might want to have a backup running back, they have not shown any inkling that they are able to support that. Uh, they haven't shown any inkling, and I haven't been particularly impressed with Holyfield, Scarlett, Cameron Artis Payne. I don't, uh, you know, I just don't think any of them seem like they are are worthy of getting on the field over Christian McCaffrey. And if McCaffrey's not hurt, you know, I just I just don't really actually see it happening. Yeah, we like those narrow, you know, tunneled offenses, and this is probably one of the more easy offenses to understand in the league. I do think that maybe at some point in the season, Greg Olson might be a value at tight end 21, but obviously that's something we have to see to believe at first. No, I, I think I think you're right. I think Greg Olson is pretty clearly a value at tight end 21 because even last year when he was hurt, in the games he was active, he was an every down player. He was out yeah. there, you know, first down, second down, third down. He was, he they, they played him in line they moved him to the slot like he he's a part of that offense and I actually would not be surprised to see him have the fourth most targets on that team let's go to the New England Patriots Davis we finally got to see Damian Harris in that second preseason game he was held out in the first one I believe with like a hand or a wrist injury that's also at the same time that Sony Michelle Rex Burkhead James White have been held out were you impressed at all with what Damian Harris saw because the buzz has really died down throughout the entire summer yeah, so it's really died down, and uh, I, I guess the thing is, is I thought Damian Harris played well. I thought he looked pretty good. I thought he looked decisive as a runner, which is always key for New England Patriots running backs. However, just the fact that he was playing in that game is not a great sign because none of the other running backs were active. Tom Brady wasn't active. You know, Edelman didn't play. None of those guys were in there. So, and, and that's kind of what we think about the preseason. We think of preseason usage being more important than preseason performance per se. And uh, yeah, just the fact that Harris was in there kind of makes me, uh, you know, not feel as great about his stock in redraft leagues. And I buried the lead here, Davis, but Josh Gordon is back. How are you treating Josh Gordon? Josh Gordon is back. I think that he is a very high end wide receiver three. I think he is. I think you can start thinking about drafting him basically after DJ Moore, Calvin Ridley and Tyler Boyd go off of the board in that, you know, that fifth to sixth round range. I am I am would listen to any argument saying Josh Gordon has more upside than, uh, you know, Christian Kirk or whoever. Like, I, I think he does have that much ceiling this season. And more importantly, it just pays off all the best ball shares we had in June, had in July when he was working out with Tom Brady on Instagram and all that stuff. Because, you know, you have to pay a much higher price now when you said round five, round six. I've seen him going round seven recently as well, just because he's lower on that ADP list. So if you are doing drafts now, I mean, take advantage and, and take advantage of, of where he's listed in drafts. 
Um, Big time. Oakland Raiders. I don't really know what to say here, Davis. Like, we know that Josh Jacobs is like going around running back 20, probably in line for 200, 250 touches. I've asked every single person this question, so I have to ask you, do you have any shares of Antonio Brown this year? Uh, yeah. So when, do you remember when that thread came out? I fired the Mike up Silver thread. <laughs> yes. The Mike Silver thread. I couldn't remember who t- I referenced this on a podcast the other day and I, I, uh, I didn't remember the name of the guy who tweeted it, but uh, I fired up some drafts in the draft best ball championship then just because I was like, he's going to go like in the fourth round while this is happening. And I was able to get him and in, in two out of four drafts I did during that time, I was able to get him in the fourth round just because people are, you know, people just overreact so hard to, yeah. you know, whatever is happening right then. But, but as of this moment right now, he's like, so I'm not moving him that far down my rankings. I'm not like nuking him in the projections on Roto experts, but he's just not a guy like that. I feel super comfortable taking basically. Los Angeles Rams, again, this is somewhat of an offense that we know what to expect because last year they basically led the league in 11 personnel. Um, Cooper Cup went out. Cooper Cup is back, and it seems like he's in great form. But, Davis, there has been some – I don't mean to talk about like some ancillary topic here. There has been some discussion that they'll use less 11 personnel and work more in two tight end sets. Uh, and that would make sense, right? Because uh, they are going to have a little bit different of a running game this year with less Todd Gurley. Uh, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that using multiple tight ends is a really good way to be better than average on offense. Just like throws throws to pass catching tight ends generally have like a higher adjusted yards per attempt than throws to slot wide receivers. And they like Higby and Gerald Everett. There was yeah. reporting during OTAs that Gerald Everett was like one of the, uh, you know, one of the absolute standouts of camp, which I thought was sort of interesting. So I, I see it theoretically, though I suspect that this is something that we talk about in the offseason and then forget <laughs> in week one when the bullets start flying. Yeah, and you know when Gerald Everett was drafted, Lesney basically looked at Sean McVay and said, hey, this guy is probably your Jordan Reed-like player. It just can take, you know, tight ends, as we've discussed previously, time to get to that level. But it's also they probably – because they selected him above Cooper Cup. You know, they probably didn't expect this much at Cooper Cup that early. And 11 personnel, he kind of fits that wide receiver tight end mold when, you know, motioning towards the line of scrimmage as well. How are you treating this backfield, Davis? I mean, this is another question I want to ask everyone because I'm – as the season and as the offseason goes along – I'm kind of a little bit more interested in Todd Gurley, just like I'm interested in Sony Michelle. And with Darrell Henderson, I know that he is a home run swing, but even at his current ADP, I think around running back 36 or 34, depending on when you're looking, that's really too rich for me. Um, the I try and leave every draft with Malcolm Brown. Yeah, me that's, too. Uh, that's that's what that's the the general strategy there. Uh, Daryl Henderson, he was someone that I was pretty interested in. But then, you know, he's out here playing in these preseason games and Sean McVay hates the preseason. He does not like to expose guys that he wants to use in the regular season in the preseason. And Henderson has been getting like 10 touches a game in the preseason while Todd Gurley and Malcolm Brown have been jogging around in warmups. So I I went from being very high, very aggressive on Daryl Henderson to starting to really back off of him now, especially because so many of my drafts, you know, pre-August, let's say 10th or whatever had so much Daryl Henderson in them. So we're basically exiting every draft with Tony Pollard and Malcolm Brown this season. That's Tony that's Pollard, what we're saying. Tony Pollard, Malcolm Brown, Darwin Thompson, Matt Breida. 
There's all your running backs. That's all you need. That's all uh, you need. It, it is funny to see, well, and interesting to see the rest of the league kind of use this McVay mindset of not playing anyone that you're interested in as your first team on offense or defense for the most part in the preseason. And I, in some ways, I know we're spending so much time on, on these preseason topics, but I think less has come from it this year than in previous years just for that reason. The Baltimore Ravens, 37 snaps for Lamar Jackson this preseason. Nick Boyle has been in for 26 of them. Hayden Hurst has been in for 14 of them. And Mark Andrews, you know, everyone's darling last year at tight end. Uh, everyone's darling among the Ravens media. This training camp at tight end is on the field for just 12 of those plays. Yeah, which is very odd because all the beat writers at Ravens camp have been like, oh, he looks great. He's the best player on the field, you know, so fo- so on and so forth, which, you know. That uh, that that just would not you would not you would not hear those reports and then think okay Nick Boyle's coming in to come block over him. My guess is maybe Andrews is not like progressing as a run blocker the way that the organization expect him to. So they're they're not rewarding that with playing time. But I think again this is another thing where you know we do like to see the preseason usage. But my guess would be is that if this offense starts to stall because they don't have playmakers out there, Andrews is going to get more playing time. Are we adding Justice Hill to that Darwin Thompson, Tony Pollard, Malcolm Brown group as well? Oh yeah, of course. I don't even know how his name wasn't first for me. He's the best one. So sell me on this, Davis. So Justice Hill sent NFL starting running back Chris Carson to the bench as a true freshman at Oklahoma State. Justice Hill was 18 years old, came into Oklahoma State. Chris Carson went to the bench. Chris Carson, NFL starter. Uh, Justice Hill, you know, outperformed him. He caught uh, passes in college. He's caught passes in the preseason. I think he's probably a more natural fit for that role than Mark Ingram is. Not saying that Mark Ingram is not going to get targets, but I'm saying third down seemed like a more natural place for Justice Hill to play. Hill has, of course, looked great in the preseason. We expected right. that. Mark Ingram is 30 years old, coming off of a PED suspension and is a running back that changed teams. So I'm not even saying specifically Mark Ingram's going to get hurt or underperform or whatever, but running backs who have met those criteria in the past uh, have generally f- had worse performance in the future than in the past. So it's just there are a lot of these contextual things that makes me think that Justice Hill is like an extreme breakout candidate at running back. And we just have to hope that if something does happen to Mark Ingram or if they try to spell him at any moment, it doesn't go to like Gus Edwards, that it does go to think, someone like I Justice I would think Hill. Gus Edwards is going to have a role regardless, but Gus Edwards had uh, – I got I to gotta look this up before I say the wrong thing. It yeah, was like I, I knew this was right. So he played in 11 games last year, started six of them, had 137 rushing attempts. How many targets do you think Gus Edwards had last year? Seven. He had two targets in 11 <laughs> games. So it's just like Gus Edwards is not Gus Edwards is down is there to play on on first and second down. And if, yeah. and if they, there's any sort of passing situation, he's leaving the field. He's literally brought in to run in a straight line forward. Let's go to the Washington Redskins. I talked about it earlier with the Miami Dolphins. Uh, there are some teams that I just don't want exposure to pretty much. And I think Washington is on that list for me now, Davis, like Darius Geis. No thanks of where he's going, basically. Adrian Pearson, sure, if you want to wait that long at running back and take someone that relies on positive and neutral game scripts. And then at the receiver spot, um, you know, they're attached to Case Keenum and maybe a rookie quarterback in Dwayne Haskins. Other than I should add, I am very much in on Jordan Reed at tight end 16. Uh, Trey Quinn is the one Trey Quinn. I have a, bu- cause he, he literally goes in the last round of these drafts yeah. where you need wide receivers. And, uh, you know, I, I have him leading Washington in 
targets amongst wide receivers. And I don't even I don't even think that's really controversial. Yeah. Well, hopefully we start the debate of Trey Quinn versus Cole Beasley, you know, the only podcast that has that debate, Davis. Okay. I mean, I I just took Cole Beasley and I I did a draft before I fell asleep last night and I took Cole Beasley as my 18th round pick. New Orleans Saints. Um, the Saints first team offense has played 34 snaps this preseason. This comes from Graham Barfield. The usage so far is Alvin Kamara, 21 snaps and Latavius Murray, 13 snaps on third downs. That's Kamara at six snaps and Latavius Murray at two snaps. You know, it just depends on who you're following on Twitter. If you believe that it's going to be Alvin Kamara's backfield, I am of the mindset Davis that Latavius Murray will have at least 75% of what Mark Ingram put out last year. And to me, that's a very good value in dress. Yep. Uh, we, we could not be more, we cannot be more aligned. I, I think Latavius, Latavius, I actually, so I, I think of Latavius as like the last pre premium running back pick to go off the board. Yeah. So once Latavius goes, I think it's, it, we're, we're basically talking about guys who are overvalued or guys who are handcuffs, third down backs, et cetera. So I, I we, we are very aligned on that. And I believe it was in maybe their first preseason game where the sideline reporter was talking about how they really wanted to bring Mark Ingram back. The Saints did. But while Mark Ingram was kind of waffling, they just saw Latavius Murray out there in free agency. We're like, okay, we think he's of an equal-ish talent and we're just going to sign him and not worry about this at all. So to me, it screams that the same role will most likely be there, a very similar one at that. Uh, Let me ask you about Jared Cook as well, because, you know, there are very clear tiers to me at the tight end group. Like you have that first three, then you have that next three of OJ Howard, Evan Ingram, Hunter Henry, possibly. And maybe you want to throw in Vance McDonald in there. But Jared Cook is consistently being put in that third or fourth tier. So I think he probably belongs in that tier. The issue that you're going to have with Jared Cook is the Saints are just going to throw less often than we are expected to. So he might even be third on that team in targets, but that might only be 80 targets this year, right? And uh, you're really going to be fighting off the Trey Quinn explosion. So, or not Trey Quinn, Traquan Smith. So if Traquan Smith uh, takes the step that you would think he would you know now that he's had another year in the system he's had another year to learn the wide receiver position after playing at a big 10 school in college or or, uh, uh, an american conference school in college i i think traquan smith is likely to be the third uh leading target getter there what do you think yeah i kind of believe that maybe part of drew Brees' decline in his vertical passing game isn't necessarily just tied to his arm but also like the playmakers he did not have consistently there and like traquan smith may be taking a step in year two jared cook is one of the best vertical tight ends in the nfl hopefully that helps a little bit but i'm i don't think it's going to be a volume type player at tight end i think it's just going to be you know more of a one or two big plays, hopefully in a two in a one or two or three game span, and and that's where you're going to get your money from. Seattle Seahawks, Russell Wilson, seventeen snaps. Chris Carson got twelve. Rashad Penny got five. Davis, I'm very concerned that Rashad Penny might not be very good at football. Uh, I I think that's a legitimate concern at this point. I think uh, it seems like seems like he is now in threat to lose his overall gig to Chris Carson and then lose his backup gig to Travis Homer. I, I actually would maybe even handicap that as likely. Mm-hmm. And Chris Carson's still a great value around running back 22. Davis, when I'm doing drafts right now, again, about two or three weeks ahead of the season, my favorite stack, my favorite stack is Chris Carson. Tyler Lockett, Russell Wilson. Do you have a favorite stack heading into the season? Uh, I do have a favorite stack. Uh, and well, I, okay, I have two favorite stacks. The first is DJ Moore and Cam Newton. The second is 
Kyler Murray and Christian Kirk. And the third is Lamar Jackson, Justice Hill, Marquise Brown, because that one is mega cheap. Pittsburgh Steelers. Dante Moncrief saw nine of 14 first team reps in that second preseason game. Dante Johnson saw five. Ryan Switzer saw five. And James Washington, who had a good performance in week one of the preseason, saw just one first team snap. And obviously Juju and Vance McDonald were out there for all of them. And that's really what matters. Yeah, uh, so I, I read uh, I read a, a little thread this morning actually about the Steelers wide receiver situation, and essentially the way the team is viewing it is um, Washington is going to be the backup to Smith Schuster at the Z position because hmm. you know he str- he struggles a little bit against the press coverage because it, it's more people think of top wide receivers getting pressed, but actually because they're more likely to get attention like secondary attention from a, a linebacker or a safety they probably are getting more space off the line whereas the other position is going to get pressed because that's going to be single coverage a lot so so that is one of the reasons why Moncrief right now is playing over James Washington so talk to me about this does that mean we're going to see Juju much more often on the outside which I'm not sure if we love that from a fantasy perspective I so my assumption for Steelers based personnel is that Juju is going to be I, I would compare his usage this year to how Julio Jones has historically been used. So mm-hmm. like on third downs and stuff, I would I, he, he's definitely going to be a boundary wide receiver. But uh, but like on first and second down, I would assume their base personnel will be Washington Moncrief Juju or Switzer Moncrief Juju, kind of depending on what the play call is. Something like itches at me a little bit that maybe by like week seven, Deontay Johnson is someone that we're going to be adding in fantasy leagues. But in those first six weeks of the season, first five weeks of the season, he's not going to do absolutely nothing. So it's not worth drafting him, but he's someone to obviously keep an eye on as we go along. Houston Texans. I mean, the real change here, I guess, Davis, is the addition of Duke Johnson this preseason. He's currently going around running back 46. That's after the names like Ronald Jones, Naeem Hines, LaShawn McCoy, Damon Harris, Kalen Balazs. I mean, it's a pretty easy path for me, Davis, for him to outscore all those names. From uh, from someone who's very good at watching the game, will you? I like I miss this Duke Johnson thing. I think. Like I, to me, Duke Johnson, yeah, it just seems to me like Duke Johnson is like, he's a good receiving back. You know, he, he, uh, you know, just sort of does what is asked of him, but I, I don't see anything that ever makes me go crazy for Duke Johnson. And it's possible Hmm. that I am wrong. Um, I would say that a lot of probably the positivity around him comes from his days at Miami when he was like a workhorse, when he was just a workhorse. And he ran tough. He ran hard. He was winning after contact. And then he's only worked as like a secondary back since entering the league and a secondary back in really bad teams. And while the Texans are kind of up and down with their success and how fun they are and all that kind of stuff, um, they certainly are a good offense that can support, you know, some really good players. And especially with how Kiki Cutie was used last year, you know, and a lot of those designated touches, um, either behind the line of scrimmage or at the line of scrimmage with him hurt right now. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Duke Johnson get those. And this is also a team that I believe spent a third or a fourth round pick on Tyler Irvin and Duke Johnson is just yeah. far superior to Tyler. Yeah, Irvin. Way better than Tyler Irvin. Yeah. So, so I think I agree with all of that. The, so the one, the one thing I'm having a hard time figuring out right now is, okay, so say Kiki Cutie does miss time. We do all agree that those guys would be kind of targeted in the same area of the field. But I am wondering if 
like, do you think the Texans will just straight up deploy Duke at as like a slot wide receiver? It's a fair question because we thought that one year with the Browns, didn't we? Because that and, was like what a lot and, of the camp in twenty seventeen, and they, right. they they didn't do it at all. Right. No, and you're right. And, and Kiki Cutie and you know their twenty eight year old tight end that they drafted in Jordan Akins. Uh, were selected because they wanted to ramp up their interior passing game because Ed Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins on the outside. I'm not sure. I, I don't have an answer for you, but I also don't know if I have an answer for the running backs going around again where Duke Johnson is going. So like if this is your cup of tea, if this is the shot you want to take it around that position, then I think that's perfectly acceptable too. Yeah. Yeah. I think, okay. I think that's fine. I just, I, I think at this point I've just said, oh, there's so many late round running backs who I do like actually like, and I like, get why i like them i just i gravitate towards clicking those names instead even though like our projections kind of like duke like they think he's very interesting given the context of that backfield two more teams left we have the tennessee titans uh derrick henry is still not really healthy i mean he did return to practice in the last day or two um but he hasn't seen game action his adp has not moved through all of this it's crazy And, and that's what i wanted to bring up because i don't think i have maybe more than one or two shares of Derrick Henry just because he fell on those drafts. Um, I mean, he might not touch the field until week one. And we know that this is a team that wants to run the football so much because everything else is kind of stale. And Deion Lewis is the backup. And also he hasn't moved up that much either. So it's, it's, it's one of the most bizarre things it, it like starting running back suffers a lower body injury. Starting running back isn't good to begin with. The team's not that good to begin with. So it's not going to be, there's not going to be positive game scripts. So it's just like, it, it is one of the things that makes the least sense to me about the, uh, the, the market right now. Could it be that just no one pays attention to the Tennessee Titans? It's pop, and I mean, people like the the most the the most recent thing people remember about Derrick Henry is those four games where he just laid siege to to the NFL for four. They don't really remember the fact that he was a you know like RB forty two. Yeah, he was miserable. <laughs> it's just awful. Uh, I I am a little bit. I mean, talking about Trey Quinn and Cole Beasley along those likes, I am a little bit uh, interested. And Adam Humphreys, just because of the volume that he might see in that slot tight end, uh, in that slot receiver role that we saw in that first preseason game as well. I mean, he saw like 12 targets in the first seven snaps. I mean, something impossible like that. Uh, yeah. Okay. Minnesota Vikings. Uh, Davis, the one name that keeps standing out to me, and I actually think Mike Boone is a good football player, but right now it seems like Alexander Madison has that number two running back job. Yeah. It's we just all think Dalvin up. Cook. Yeah. We think that Dalvin Cook is, if healthy, he can be very productive in Gary Kubiak's mm-hmm. offense. And one, I'm not even suggesting that Dalvin Cook has to get hurt for Alexander Madison to have a role. I think there's independent value there as well, because as soon as they drafted him, this team's vision was Latavius Murray with Alexander Madison. Yeah, so the, I guess the thing that makes me very interested in Madison personally is the team took him way too high. Of course, you know, they took him in the third round. I like, I didn't think Madison was a particularly good running back prospect. Um, and then the other thing is Dalvin cook is one of those guys who just has a sub average spark score. And there tends to be, um, there tends to be a correlation between running back injury and like lowered spark scores, like guys, guys who are just not mega athletic are more likely to suffer injuries. And, and it, the, you know, it's not, that's not a, a value statement of saying Dalvin Cook's not a good running back. It's just saying, I think his body type is more susceptible to getting hurt. 
think we covered it all. 32 teams, Davis. Did we miss anything? Anything you no, want to say to the people before great. I let you go? No, just make sure to check out uh, all the stuff we have going on at rotoexperts.com. A lot of a lot of very useful things to help you hashtag win your league. And again, Davis wrote out all of these, all the important stuff. I'm assuming he's going to do it after week three of the preseason, maybe in week four. So go and check that out on his Twitter handle, which is at Davis Maddock or at Roto Experts. Davis, this was exactly what I had hoped for. Thank you Beautiful, so much for man. doing this. Yeah, I thank appreciate you so much it. for having me on, buddy. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. Auto Trader.